host, Ryan Fowler. Let's sit back and talk a little Alabama football. When you look at this 11 years under Nick Saban, yeah, we talk about the last five out of the last nine years, a national title. We talk about whipping Auburn a bunch. We talk about beating everybody a bunch, right? But I always want to go back, peel back the curtain just a little bit, and understand the challenges, the hurdles, the way that these players laid the foundation. You know, we do this quite often with former players, but really to help us connect. You know, you think about a guy who committed to Mike Shula during the sanctions period where Alabama wasn't what we were accustomed to seeing. But these players believed in the University of Alabama, and they believed in this athletic department that one day they would be able to be a part of something. And I don't even know if they could have even imagined that Alabama would go on and win national championship after national championship. Now we're talking about back-to-back, and we're talking about you know winning all these great championships and saluting this team. You know, I want to go back and visit with a guy who was an outside linebacker at the University of Alabama as we look back at that 2019, but even carry it beyond that or prior to that, and we look at what Nick Saban has built as he helps us recall and pay tribute to that wonderful 2009 championship team. Corey Reamer, I hope you're doing well. Welcome in to the Alabama Crimson Tide podcast here on seccountry.com. What's going on? Doing real good. How about you guys? Hey, we're doing great. Just, uh, you know, it's a June day and we love talking Alabama football. So we love to reach out to those uh, who have made this program so rich in tradition. We appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Oh, absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Help us understand from your advantage point that you were part of the foundation and the sense of pride being alum of this program that you take in five out of the last nine years. Nick Saban has captured a national title. Yeah, absolutely. There was, uh, you know, when when a lot of the guys that you just mentioned, uh, guys that I played with, when we came in, it was uh, not exactly, you know, the good times of Alabama football that they're enjoying right now. But, uh, you know, we were fortunate enough to be a part of uh, when we went out and got Coach Saban, uh, came in and changed up things a whole lot for all of us, really changed the the course of our careers drastically. We were lucky enough to walk away with one. I know there's guys out there with multiple rings, but uh, we were just happy to get one of them. Uh, but I would say it's a, uh, you know, now when you walk around everywhere we go, traveling for work or wherever it may be, and, and you mentioned Alabama football, it definitely has a, it garners a lot of different reactions than it probably would have, uh, you know, those first few years that we were down there. Corey, I'm sure you're asked about this all over the place. What's it like to play for Nick Saban? I know we've asked you this before, but we have a different audience that rolls in and rolls out, may have not heard our conversation a year ago. What is that story that you tell of playing for Nick Saban? Yeah, it's a, uh, and I think it would probably be the answer probably changes. Uh, is, is probably the basics are, are pretty much the same. But uh, for the, for, at the end of the day, uh, I think everybody will probably tell you the same story. Um, or that it was just, you know, we had a good time, but don't get it, don't get it uh, mixed up with we were just out there having a lot of fun. I had, I had talked with another guy earlier in the week, and he was asking me a lot about uh, Coach Saban and how he's built up the program that, to where it is and about the process, and he asked me how much fun we were having. And, uh, you know, there's – and he'll tell you this too. He says it all the time. I've heard him say it on multiple occasions that the fun is in the winning and uh, and there is no doubt about that. In between, you know, all the other stuff that we do outside the Saturdays in the fall, 
is not something that you just are craving to go do uh, at all. And we had good times, you know, the good, the, but the best times were when we were playing in SEC championships and playing for national championships. You know, I, the comment that I made to another group was, you know, I'd trade any day of having fun and going seven and six and playing in Shreveport for being able to play for Coach Saban and be able to play for, for national championships. And there's no doubt. A lot of the players just arrived a couple of weeks ago and started summer session number one. Newcomers, what advice would you give a newcomer that it took you maybe a little bit longer to buy in, but now you look back and you say, I wish I would have known this going into my uh, first year with Nick Saban. What would you tell those incoming freshmen? Now, you know, it's probably a little bit different. They they they, they got recruited by them, uh, and, and we were recruited by a whole different staff. And, you know, when, we, when he showed up, it was a complete culture change for us. And we learned pretty quickly that, you either bought in or you were going to be escorted out the door. Um, these guys know, and it's it's not a secret for what he expects out of his teams. He doesn't hand he doesn't hand anything to any of these guys that are going to be freshmen. It's got to be earned. And you'll see a lot of guys that have played over the last uh, ten years that you didn't even know who they were. They weren't five star recruits or you know these big time players. Um, they were guys that did what he asked, and that's the main thing that. I learned quickly being, you know, not one of the top recruits coming out of high school that if it was going to be me playing on that field, it was going to be because Coach Saban could trust me to go out there and do my job on a daily basis. And you see a lot of guys that are the same way that are still playing for him today, and you wonder where some of these five-star recruits have gone that you expected to play immediately. And uh, that's that's exactly what – uh, I learned and I would encourage uh, these guys is your high school career is over and now you're playing for one of the premier programs, if not the premier program in the country. Uh, and the, all, the best way for you to uh, to get in his good graces is for him to be able to trust you to do your job. And if he can't do that, you'll never see the field. Um, so those guys got to get in their playbooks. They got to learn what it is they're supposed to do and not worry about everybody else's job. If he can trust you to go out there and play cover two, you need to be able to go out there and play cover two and not worry. If you mess that up, then he's never going to put you on the field on Saturdays. There's just, there's no ifs, ands, or buts around it, no matter how much talent you have. If you don't know what you're doing, then you will sit on the sideline and have a great seat for the game, but you will not see it on the field. Corey, what has changed? And even though I feel like nine years ago is, it's not that long ago, but there's a lot changed with an offensive perspective, especially these RPOs. What is the biggest change that you see from a defensive perspective? Yeah, I mean, you look at guys, uh, the linebackers and the and the personnel that we had when I was there. You know, the the you heard there were some teams that were running a lot of these uh, fast style offenses that we faced, and they they definitely gave us some issues. I think Utah was a perfect perfect example when we played them in the Sugar Bowl. They were one of the first teams that we faced where we had six DBs on the field the entire game, and they had five wide receivers on the field every single play, and they were trying to run 90 to 100 plays on offense. And uh, I would say now, from a defensive standpoint, you look at guys that I played with, not that they couldn't be successful in, the, in today's day and age, but 
you had Rolando McLean, who was 6'3", 270. You had Dante Hightower, who was you know, 6'4", 280. And all these guys that were built like that as linebackers. And now you look out there, and you've got a lot of the guys that really are, are more sideline-to-sideline guys playing linebacker. And even on the defensive front, you know, they're not the, the big bodies that take up space. They're guys that can run and keep up with these fast-style offenses and don't need to come off the field every two plays. They've got to be, you know, three-down guys and be able to stay on the field the entire series and not get tired. You know, that's uh, there's not really the days of the Terrence Cody's and uh, and the and the Dante's and Rolando's. You don't see those size guys that are you know in the college game as much anymore, just because it's just harder for a guy that's that big to continue to play 90 snaps uh, on defense. It's just impossible. You you'll definitely get worn down. So you got these six one, six two, two thirty, two thirty five linebackers who are run stuffers but can also play coverage, play, uh, you know, and play a lot of snaps uh, and don't get worn out as fast. Corey, let's go back to the first time you meet Nick Saban because there's a lot that went down in that coaching search with Coach Moore going after a guy like Nick Saban. Can you remember that first time when he walked in and addressed those players? Oh, yeah. It was – I really tell you the, the more memorable uh, moment that we had was when we heard Rich Rodriguez was going to be the coach, and then they called that off. And so we're sitting there in limbo trying to figure out who our next head coach is going to be. And and we heard that it was going to be Coach Saban, and then ESPN was starting to speculate a bunch. And um, when it finally got announced, and they and they had – ESPN was running. Uh, it was during – during the off season, so all of us were in, you know, our workouts and doing whatever, and we were all in the locker room when they told us who it was going to be, and they kept showing clips of Coach Saban when he was down in Miami, and uh, whoever their first round draft pick, I can't remember who it was, uh, the year before, it was showing Coach Saban uh, and him having an interaction one day at practice. The guy came out there without a helmet on; he wasn't going to practice that day, and. Um, and we, the clip they kept showing over and over again was, and you might remember it, but Coach Saban was dog cussing this guy for even thinking about coming on the field without a helmet on and just screaming red in the face. And he chewed him out from the 50-yard line all the way to the locker room. Uh, and you now I have an idea of what he probably told that guy, but that was our first real experience of seeing what Coach Saban was going to be like. And I swear the locker room was dead silent. Like, oh, my God, what did we just get into? What is this going to do to us? And he showed up and addressed us as a team. And he it wasn't a, hey, how are y'all? Can't wait to get to know you guys. It was a, we're about to start the fourth quarter program. Y'all buckle up. We're going to get this team in shape. And, and he did. The first fourth quarter that he put on was probably the most brutal fourth quarter all the way through spring practice that I've ever been through in my entire life. Wow. Wow. And you might be talking about Jason Allen. I didn't know that. I just looked it up. Miami Dolphin first round draft pick 2006 was Jason Allen, a defensive back from Tennessee. Oh, no, I think it was, uh, it might, I don't think it was him. It was an offensive lineman. I think he was a a left tackle. You know, he was uh, Joe Toledo and he was a, you know, six, six, 320 pound guy. And here's coach Saban just right next to him like a little dog barking and biting the heels. But this guy, this guy was crying. He was in tears. Coach Saban had him in tears all the way to back to the locker room. He was cussing him out so bad for, you know, Coach Saban's always about this is, I've got a process. The process is this is what we're going to do. And I swear if you follow this blueprint, we will win ball games. And 
he he sticks to that. He knows what it takes to win championships. And if you're not going to be a part of it, he doesn't want you around. And that guy thought he was above the program, showed up with a, without a helmet one day in practice, and he, he paid for it. I know that much. He'll probably never forget that day ever. I know I didn't, and I wasn't even on the field. I was watching it on ESPN. Corey Reamer, outside linebacker at the University of Alabama, talking about Nick Saban. And let's go to the dynasty here. Let's start about the foundation. Let's go to 2008. You, you guys took over that number one spot after beating LSU uh, 27-21. Uh, that was down in Baton Rouge. Then you stay number one. We get to Florida, and you got a chance to beat Tim Tebow, and some things don't go our way, and we end up losing that game. What was that like in post-game and then really even kind of include the offseason and the gear up for 2009? Yeah, I'd say that the uh, 2009 season started in the locker room uh, in the Georgia Dome. Um, and and really, in particular, uh, when Rolanda, when we all got in there and all of our heads were down, we just we had a chance and should have won that ball game. Uh, unfortunately, Tim Tebow made throws that he has never made in his career that day just putting balls where nobody else but the receiver could catch him. And we all know, you know, his throwing prowess was not what made him the great player that he was. But that day he made passes that he could never make again if you gave him 100 chances. Uh, and, you know, so it was a deflated locker room. Everybody was, you know, we had uh, we had it rolling only the second year that Coach Saban had been there. And, uh, and I remember Rolando McClain uh, really stepped up in the locker room. And he was a young guy, too. This just kind of tells you what kind of leader he was. Uh, but I know he made a speech to the team that day, uh, right after that game, telling everybody not to forget what that feeling was like to lose to those guys. And and he he pronounced that everybody better be bought in, and we're about to start getting to work to get ready for next year because we will be back in that same locker room celebrating the win the next year and if you do not want to buy in it is time for you to move on and go somewhere else and and I'll give you know even though the the class of 05 was not uh was not saving recruits we had a great class in place that year and I would say we bought in uh and really took over the ownership of that team to really make sure that we were the guys that were going to make sure everybody stayed on track and bought into whatever it is that we had to do to get us back to that place to win that ball game the next year in 09. It's amazing. All right, so let's go to 2009. What was the confidence like going into that Texas game out in Pasadena? Oh, you know, it was, we felt like, um, you know, we had just played the national championship. Uh, You know, Florida was still the number, you know, number one team or number two team. It was the one and two matchup in Atlanta. And so going in, go after we had just beat, beat Florida and beat them. That was one of the best games that we, we had put together that season. It was a, the most complete game that I think we ever played. Uh, special teams, offense, defense. We had everything clicking right, and the momentum was in our favor and headed in. We just knew that we were meant to be in the seat that, that we were in, and uh, everybody had the confidence that we, we were all healthy. Uh, we felt good going into that game, and we you know, you turn on the tape and we saw, we know the competition that we face week in and week out in the SEC. And, uh, and we, we prepared like it was, uh, you know, we didn't slack off or anything. It was, it was full making sure we're the most prepared we could ever be going in to play Texas. And, you know, if you remember correctly, there was a lot of things that went against us in those first few drives in the first quarter. 
uh, we gave them every opportunity to uh, take a hold of that game, uh, whether it was turnovers or, or botched uh, kickoffs, or we gave we gave Colt McCoy every chance he could we could give him to score. We gave the ball him the ball in our in our area of the field, and he only walked away with field goals most of the time. And after those first couple of drives that we did that, we walked off the field and we knew that th- this was going to be our game. It just took a it just took a few mistakes and realizing that and get it, getting everything together that we were about to take over and and we did it was uh, it was one of the it was one of the most ex- fun experiences I've ever been a part of. Corey, when you see Marcel Darius hit that uh, Colt McCoy and, and the injury, and and at that point you didn't know the severity of it, but I'm sure that you could probably see the grimaces in his face. Uh, you see another guy come in. What's the, the the thought process? I mean, is it like sharks when you see blood and and you go after it? I mean, did you see a weakness? I mean, what's kind of the mindset when you see the star quarterback go down? Well, I'll I'll clarify. I didn't see Marcel hit uh, Colt McCoy because I was taking on a pulling guard so that Marcel could come lay that hit, and uh, I don't think that I got the best end of that that whole deal. <laughs> I think that guard might have gotten the best of me. So I was. When I came up for air after uh, after taking on a pulling guard and and realized what had happened and saw Colt walking off holding his shoulder and now you've got this freshman that's walking in uh, and it was it was exactly that it was blood and it was just blood in the water it was time for us to get after that guy but I'll tell you give them credit uh, they played very conservatively for the rest of that half and really didn't put anything on his shoulders and it, and you could tell their offense was kind of stagnant. And they weren't doing anything, and we walked into halftime with a significant lead. And you know, we thought if they're going to continue to try to run it between the tackles against that defense, they're going to be in for a long second half. But uh, you, that guy came out, and in, in, in true Alabama fashion, we made a guy who ended up you know transferring out of Texas not long after that game. But we made him look like a Hall of Famer there in that second half, and they were. They put a pretty good charge on us uh, that we were not expecting to see. He had a lot of composure, but we knew that he was not ready for that defense uh, at all. And and uh, give him credit for his efforts, but uh, it was it was just uh, it was just pinning your ears back and getting after that guy because we knew we had him rattled. Corey, it, it just it's fun to reflect on that moment. I mean, it's the part, and I don't think any of us could have guessed it. I mean, we were happy with just winning a national title, but you you think about where we are now. I mean, it's crazy to even think about the expectations. The standard in Tuscaloosa now with what you guys have laid, it's a national championship or bust. I mean, if you you know finish up second place, some programs would make T-shirts and they'd have parades. Not in Tuscaloosa. We lost to Clemson down in Tampa. I was hosting a funeral for like 230 days here. Now it's back where the standard is. It is a national championship or bust. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, uh, you know, Coach Saban always preaches on that too. He always gets on to the, to the fans and, and to the media about how the expectations are set for every year that it is a national championship or bust. But a lot of that has to do with, what he's what his expectations are for every team that he has and that's where that's where it all starts you know now then when you won ball games when we, when we beat LSU and and uh 08 and when we beat Georgia in 08 you know the, the excitement that you got as a player and as fans and as the media it was like it was worthy of parades for those moments and now it is you know 
we go through these games, and when we walk out, you know, after after it's all said and done, and we've won the ball game, it's like, oh man, thank God we made it through that one. It was a tough game, but we, you know, we expected to win. But there's no reason to celebrate. Who do we have next? And it's completely, it has completely changed. Uh, you know, every single year, it's a disappointment if we lose one ball game and we're not playing in the national championship. The bowl game has, if it's not a, if it's not a national championship, then there's no reason for us to play in the postseason, and and I, that's all due to what Coach Saban sets as his standard of excellence uh, that he expects from everybody on, on you know in that locker room, and it has just trickled out into the fans where they have the exact same expectations. They they have bought into his process and his system, and they know what his expectations are, and they have the same thing. So it, he's created this beast that he gets to deal with in a, on a yearly basis. Corey, give us an update on, on what you're doing these days, because we always love to talk with those uh, that obviously make this part of the game, make this tradition so rich. Tell us what you're up to these days. Yeah, absolutely. I am uh, currently working with uh, keeping it in the family, working at uh, at Bryant Bank. Uh, been been with them for about two and a half years, and uh, I'm, an, I'm in the sales force uh, for Bryant Bank and work with a lot of our great community banks across the state of Alabama uh, and and really enjoying it. It's a great place to work. Mr. Bryant obviously has a, a little connection with the program, so it's it's great to work for somebody who cares as much about uh, the university as I do. And uh, it's all of us kind of get together a lot. A lot of the players that I used to play with, we're all doing different things all over the country, but, uh, you know, we always enjoy getting back together and, and telling all war stories and, and reminiscing on the days that were uh, and, and thinking about how excited we are that we're not out there with Coach Cochran right now in this heat running 110 sprints <laughs> and getting ready for the season. Uh, you know, we, we've done that, and I don't think any of us could make it through a, sing, you know, a quarter of the programs that they put these, through guys, these guys through now. But uh, it, it's, uh, it's awesome that, you know, this state embraces the football program like like it does, and and all the guys that are a part of it love coming back and and supporting the guys that are there today, uh, and and watching them continue to have success. Hey, it's it's always good we talk with these Hoover guys. We we feature John Parker, uh, Will Lowry's a guy, and it, the pipeline that you guys opened up. I mean, it, it's continued, and we got a kicker coming in next year. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to watch Will, Will Reichard up uh, kick, but they say. Uh, he's one of the best in the country from right there at Hoover. So it's always great we can tap into that pipeline of Hoover. Absolutely. You know, you know, you just go to the best high school in the state to go pick out some talent, and it all transfers over. We're just happy that we got some guys that are continuing to go down there and keep the legacy rolling. Hopefully we uh, hopefully we, uh, we love Will Riker when he gets down there. And, you know, it's a tough position to play, but I'm excited that we've got somebody with the talent that he has in our backyard. We've got a kicker in place that's going to come down and help us out. He won three state championships, 2002, 2003, 2004. Corey Reamer, an outside linebacker at the University of Alabama, played on a Nick Saban and laid the foundation and started the dynasty here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Corey, thank you for helping us out today. This is an awesome conversation. I've really enjoyed it. I appreciate yeah, your time. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on anytime. Look forward to talking to you guys and, and Roll Tide. Hey, it was great to be able to feature Corey Reamer, outside linebacker at the University of Alabama. And That was a fun conversation, recalling the great memories of the University of Alabama, Nick Saban, the early stages of the dynasty. Corey Reamer, Reamer, a big salute to you. Thank you for joining us. We'll do it again next time we visit right here on the daily edition of the Alabama Crimson Tide podcast on SECCountry.com. 